Welcome to another episode of Between Two Blue Devils. I know it's been a while. The quarantine has kept me busy, believe it or not. Uh, but today we've got a very special guest. We have Mr. Peter Culver. Now, Mr. Culver is the Talmadge Middle School and the Talmadge High School Choir Director. Now, this man is busy. He is busy, busy, and he's very committed to his craft. He runs Talmadge's extraordinary show choir called High Definition, where he invests countless hours working with our talented students. Somehow, he finds the time yearly to put together some of the most incredible musicals Talmadge has ever seen. His musicals include Fiddler on the Roof, Legally Blind, Little Shop of Horrors, Susical, and Grease. During this quarantine time, I gotta admit, it's nice to hear a fellow teacher's voice and to learn more about them, and this guy's got some crazy stories. This is a fun this was a fun interview, and I know you're going to have fun listening to it. So thanks for listening, and stay tuned for some amazing future episodes. I've got a few more interviews that are going to be rolling out here very soon, and I'm super excited about them. Stay strong during this time. We're going to get through this, and we're going to get through it together. So give this episode a listen. If you like what you hear, be sure to share it. Be sure to hop on whatever listening platform it is and give us a review. Without further ado, here you go. Mr. Peter Culver. Right now, here we are, Teacher right. Grab Bag Part Three, Jeez. and we have Mr. Culver and Mr. Mulroy, Mr. Rol- Mr. Mulroy. I've uh-huh. already announced. Uh-huh. Now you got to come in. Here's come what on. is my most embarrassing moment? Oh, you've got to have a good one. Okay, probably when <laughs> I very much recall this, it was actually not that long ago, maybe 10 years ago, uh, I was uh, older than that now, oh my gosh, it's more like 15 years, sorry, now I'm realizing, <laughs> but... Time I, starts, it starts to blend together, doesn't it? I was in church, and like a terrible musician, I did not prepare a vocal song that I was supposed to and I waited till the last minute to do it and I was supposed to sing this song in in church and uh, it was going to be big and dramatic and everything like that but of course I didn't start working on it till like the (laughs) night before and of course you know I'm a performer so I got to do it memorized and I remember getting on and you know it was like a track over kind of track thing so the karaoke track comes on and my mind goes blank, oh, like wow. completely blank. <laughs> I remembered the words, but couldn't remember the melody line. I, oh, man. Like, it was gone. And I literally, for four minutes, I made up a song. <laughs> <laughs> I made up the melody line. I'm like, yeah, this is not how this song goes. <laughs> and I just kept on going without a... And it was... Well, you were in church. That's when you need to just kind of cut in and say, okay, you know what? I feel like I'm being led. it's time to pray. Let's pray. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. No, I should have done something like that. But, oh, I remember, and I botched it so bad that, like, I remember very clear, like, two weeks later, I, I had to redo it again because I just couldn't leave it like that. I had. Did to, you get up there and apologize? I had to salvage the moment. <laughs> I said, oh, no, I got up, and I was very honest with them. I said, you know, the music started and just nothing like the brain just stopped working and for somebody who like prides themselves as being a professional musician uh yeah that was pretty bad (laughs) pretty bad we've all been there minds have gone blank many times mr culver thank you yeah no problem (laughs) 
So I'm jumping back on here with Mr. Colbert because originally he was going to be part of Teacher Grab Bag Part 3, but we're sitting here chatting and thought, you know what, let's just do an interview. Sounds good to me. So you, back when you're talking about your um, most embarrassing moment, you mentioned that you're a professional musician. Oh, yeah. So well, what I mean, happened? What ha I mean, how did you get involved in music? Oh, well, first off, my family is all musicians. So, like, my father was a music educator. But only for about seven years, and then he became an administrator for, uh, for Kent State University. But hmm. always involved in music. He was a choir director, mainly through the churches and things like that. Um, and then, you know, my mother has always been a musician. Uh, her her father was kind of a self taught fiddle player, and I mean, just music's been in the blood of the family. And then. My sisters were all band players and both vocalists. Uh, one of them used to travel with, um, I don't know, you remember the group Up With People? Do you no. remember that group? It was like show choir back in the 70s. Oh, really? And it was an international group. It was made up of people from all over the world, and they would travel as kind of this big kind of show choir of wow. international students. So for a year, they would travel the world and perform all over the place, but they were basically, you know, show performers, and that, that's my middle sister, she did that, but again, we just was raised playing music, raised playing instruments, everybody plays the piano at least a little bit, I'm the only one who really stuck with the piano, um, but vocally, like, the whole family is just all vocalists, so we have pretty much all the parts covered. My dad's pretty much a baritone tenor. I'm a I'm a baritone bass, and my sisters were both sopranos, and my mom's an alto. And so, like car rides were always very interesting because it's <laughs> always five part harmony in the car. Uh, on like willingly, everybody willingly participated. Oh, not willingly. I mean, it wasn't. Even, I don't even know whether we thought of it as willingly. It just happened. You okay. Know? I mean, it was wow. It was just kind of a natural occurrence. Somebody would start singing in the middle of the car and do something silly and ridiculous, and then we'd all join in. And You're lucky because just... when I start singing in the car, I, I get these looks, and I'm told, you know, I can't, I can't do anything. I can't clap. I can't dance. I can't sing. I mean, I could be out in the middle of rural America with nobody around, and my son will think somebody's going to see me dancing. No, I think, you know... I don't know that music was ever really a, a choice in the family. It just was something that kind of just naturally happened. You know, it was, it was more the environment of the family was just... I don't want to say we were expected to do music. We just did, and then everybody joined in, and it was just... It's more of a human nature thing with my family than mm. it is... Uh, something we actively thought about. And I, I would say the same thing is kind of with my kids, too, because I just just the environment is full of music so they you know they naturally do music it's funny to watch uh the youngest zeke do things because he's two so but he he loves dancing because he sees his older sisters dancing and his and his brother older sister and brother dancing regularly so like we'll be in the car and like a song will come on and uh, he's, he really likes R&B music, so he's got this slow groove dance that he likes to do. <laughs> and then he'll start doing that, and then he wants everybody else in the car to dance too. So, like, oh. he'll, he'll let us all know that we have to dance. So, I don't know. It's just, it's not really something we think about as much as it's just something that happens. And I think that's just being raised in a musical family. I think if you were raised in a musical family, that makes a lot of sense to you. But if you weren't, you know... It doesn't make as much sense. It's just one of those things that I think... So, let me ask you this. Is there a Culver 
TikTok family TikTok out there? There, there is not a Culver <laughs> family TikTok unless one of my I don't know unless one of the kids has one. Um, I'm pretty sure Anya and Brody don't TikTok, but uh, uh, maybe the oldest two might. Um, uh, well, how old I, are you, kids? Well, I have I have five kids. Twenty three is the oldest, so she's the oldest. She's done with college and and kind of on her own. I have a 20-year-old who's down at the University of Pittsburgh, uh, and he's... Uh, What's he studying? History and uh, languages, classical languages. Wow. He's, he's, he's fluent in Latin and ancient Greek, which I remind him no one else is, and uh, that's his thing. Uh, that's impressive. He can be a theologian or a doctor, right? Uh, he, <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's planning on doing it. I think he wants to be a history teacher, actually, but uh, he uses it mainly for historical context, yeah. so he really loves history. He had some <clears throat> great history teachers in his uh, when he was growing up, and uh, they really influenced him, and... Um, he loves the study of languages, and I think it. I think he feels like knowing the languages really helps him delve deeper into kind of some of the ancient histories and things like oh, that. Oh, for sure. He's kind of a world traveler. Wow. So he speaks like five languages, and that's that's his kind of his thing. That's awesome. And then I've got two others, so the twelve year old and the eleven year old, Brody and Anya, and uh, they're my dancers. They're both uh, ballet dancers. And uh, that's their main thing in life uh, besides, uh, well, Brody, just like any other boy, it's mainly video games, uh, video games and reading and, uh, and then uh, uh, dance for him. So, uh, but he's, he's pretty, pretty normal. Uh, that, that is his sport. Hmm. Um, doesn't have time for much anything else. They, they, they rehearse six days a week yeah. for the most part. Every, every student I talk to that's involved in dance, yeah, it is. Space eruption, just rem- yeah, sorry about that little no, interruption. No problem. And then there's Zeke, who's you said is two. two. Yeah, two. So twenty three to two. There, there's twenty one years and four days separating the oldest from the youngest. We're pretty sure that we're done now. <laughs> uh, although we were pretty sure of that before that, the two year old. So then surprise. Uh, that's right. But uh, no, he's been great. And uh, no terrible twos. Oh no, definitely terrible twos. <laughs> uh, he is a strong willed child. I've never had any kid who was more addicted to uh, electronics than this one. At yeah. two years old, yeah. which is frightening, but uh, nah, he's a great kid and um, very funny, and uh, he, but a definitely a music person, and but he's probably the most active of our kids, so uh, he he's he'll probably be a very active musician. I don't know, maybe a drummer. <laughs> he needs something that's more uh, something to bang on, really <laughs> physical. Uh, so piano or drums, I don't know what he'll end up with. Uh, Either one would be good for him, but yeah. So, so tell us about your significant other. Uh, my wife was a music educator for a little while. She no longer does that. She she got out of the out of the world of music education because it was a little uh, crazy there for a while. We you know and the, sometimes music and the arts are some of the first things that get cut. So mm-hmm. I remember there was one year where um, we both found ourselves on the end of a riff. And uh, we went into summer wondering, wow, how are we gonna, <laughs> how are gonna not do enjoying this? summer when that, that how are we gonna do this? Luckily, uh, that was right before I came to Talmadge, so um, you know things did seem to work out for me. And she was like, I'm just gonna go back to school. Um, the good thing is she's very understanding of the hours of a music educator, mm-hmm. which are a Crazy. ton, right? So you know, she understands when musical is going on and it's gonna take forever, or when you get show choir competitions and things like that. So. She's she's pretty understanding with the the fact that there there are many times where we don't see each other very often in a week's period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so. How long have you guys been married? 
Uh, we've been married for 12 years. So oh. 13, sorry, 13 years. 13, 13 years. years. Well, and so, uh, if I had an audience here, they'd thir- all be clapping for you right 13, now. 13 years um, w- and it was... So uh, she, my oldest daughter, uh, even though I refer to her as my daughter, she's my stepdaughter at 23, and then my son is my son, and it would be her stepson, and then we have our three uh, together. So it's kind of hers, mine, ours kind of thing. Awesome blended family. Blended family, we we love it. It's it's probably one of the reasons why we're together is uh, when we were, when we started to date and... uh, we had been dating people who didn't understand what it was like to be a single parent until mm-hmm. we finally kind of found each other and we're like, oh, finally someone who gets it. And, you know, <laughs> I feel like uh, there was a movie made out, made up. It, like it really, <laughs> I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense, but it was, it was very. It, How did you guys meet? Big difference. Uh, met at the OMEA conference, which is the Ohio Music Education Association yeah. conference. So she had been a teacher for a couple of years. Um, that being said, we actually knew each other from college. Um, a lot of strange occurrences with my wife, and most of the kids actually, most of the kids who have me know the story. But uh, my wife was uh, a f- good friend of mine from college. We started, and then she got married, uh, and got pregnant, and got married, and she uh, ended up moving to my hometown. So hmm. the strange thing was, I'd go home in the summers, and I'd still see her around, and we'd chat, and just you know, it was just a very friendly relationship, right. and uh, everything was quite nice and then she she got her divorce and moved out of town and then we ran into each other again a few years later and it just seemed to be the right time at that point right and, uh, the rest is history i guess wow yeah. that isn't an, it's that's a neat story yeah i mean we stayed together. we had known each other for many many years prior to it but you know the situation was never right for us to actually be in a relationship together or anything like that until it was time so that's kind of one of those so with that past history with her, yes, what is serendipity? With the the past relationship, did that speed up the the courting and the marriage, or did you still like date for a while and then? Wow. Uh, um, <laughs> okay, kids, I don't recommend this. Um, uh Oh. Yeah, with the we, <laughs> uh, my wife and I were engaged within two weeks of us starting to date. <laughs> so we were you engaged. Knew. We were engaged within two weeks, and I know people think that's absolutely crazy. And uh, no. it is a little crazy. I mean, it's it, a little yeah, it's we, strange. Like I, I said, we don't recommend it yeah. to everyone. But, but when um, you know, you know, right? We really kind of did, and you know, everything is. You know, I know people say that their marriage is great all the time, and that's normally right before it falls apart. But uh, <laughs> in our case, uh, I don't really think you know marriages work, and we we work at it regularly, and well, sure. uh, it's it's been wonderful and i would think she probably feels the same way i'm sure she does uh it just it worked out the way it is yeah no so yeah it did speed the courting up a little bit uh so engaged after two weeks and then married by six months after we after we so we were married in july uh i think we started to date it would have been the end of january (laughs) so End of January, married in July, and uh, married for 13 years. So, 13 years. Yeah, no problem since that, so. Well, I, you know what, I appreciate the fact that you, you talk about you have to work. Like, we, on one of the other podcasts, we talked about how, um, you know, <coughs> my wife, my kids, like, you always love them. Sometimes you just don't like them, mm-hmm. right? And my wife doesn't like we me sometimes. She always regularly. loves them. Yeah. I mean, it does take work. Anything worth uh, pursuing takes tremendous work. 
Well, and I think in this day and age, everybody's looking for, like, we've watched too many Disney movies where everything is always happily ever after and everything's always perfect and wonderful. And I just don't really think that's reality. I think some people go in trying to find, uh, trying to find something that's perfect. Mm -hmm. And, and just like in music, perfect is what you make of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, they're what my version of perfect of a song is going to be different of somebody else's version of perfect for a song. So, uh, you know, uh, the expectation was it was going to be work and it was going to be effort, and I think that kind of grounds you to making sure that things work out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I and I think the uh, the life application too is you know when we watch you during battle of the bands or during the performance and you sit down behind the <laughs> piano and you play so beautifully, or kids hop on social media and they see the end product, they forget that there are countless hours and hours and right. hours and hours of grinding out your your craft yeah. before you get up on that stage. Absolutely. And it's the same thing with relationships. There are hours you have to invest. Yes. You have to be intentional. Uh, and there's just so many life applications of the skill of music or the skill of sport or teaching. Abs- absolutely. Relationships. We talk about that all the time in music class. We're like, you know, music is a a product of the class, but the the lessons that are learned are normally applicable to the everything we do. Mm-hmm. You know, the the sometimes it's just the matter of minutes, uh, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, we talk about genius and things like that. We talk about someone like Mozart, and I always say, uh, you know, Mozart and Tiger Woods, and there was some study done that actually took Mozart and Tiger Woods and followed their lifespan and realized that. You know, there's not anything. The miraculous thing was they were able to focus at such a young age right. or put yeah. their put their whole effort and emphasis into music or golf at such a ridiculously young age. Yeah. Both of them right around two. Yep, and both of them had parents that really nurtured that thing. But when people say that they're geniuses, uh, they they take a look and they're like, well, you know, when Tiger was playing in high school. And playing at such a ridiculous level, uh, you know, he had already put the minutes mm-hmm. that most of the professional players had yeah. just begun to hit. You know, so yeah. like the is it a shocker that he's yeah. a pro- that he played like a professional in high school, yeah. or that Mozart was able to compose such wonderful things at such a young age when he started basically doing it at two? Mm-hmm. Well, when he started at two, by the time he was fourteen, he had been doing this for. For twelve years, yeah, you got the ten thousand hours. In. I mean, yeah. when the, some people started doing it at twelve and then were good at twenty-four, mm-hmm. but that's twelve years. For I real. mean, you yeah. know that the you can't make up minutes. Like, you can't, you, you know. So use them wisely. <laughs> well, and, and to your point, you know, we find ourselves in a strange situation right now where it's unknown what's going to be taking place over the next six to eight <coughs> weeks. And the conversation I had with my students and my kids is, you know, you've got to prepare. Now is the time. You can't, you know, put pa- push pause on what it is that you want to pursue because, oh, we're on an extended spring break. Now is where you really got to dig in and you got to push through because somebody somewhere, they're logging the minutes right. and they're working on whatever skill or whatever task it is. And if you don't do something intentional and have a plan now, you're going to fall way behind. And the other thing that I was saying was, you know, I... <laughs> I was just talking to Mr. Kuhlman about this, and I said, you know, in some ways, this unknown and everything like that, 
we're so used to that everyday way of doing things that we've had in place in education. And in some ways, I feel like we're going to, there are going to be some students who thrive in this environment mm-hmm. because the restrictions, the restrictiveness of a classroom setting yeah. is, is, is no longer there. Yeah. You know, they're free to pursue the education almost in the way that they want to pursue right. it, you know, and if we can encourage that and if we can, you know, give them outlets in which to kind of do their own thing, or as I told my students before they left, you know, this is going to be the first time that you are more responsible, you and your parents are more responsible for your learning mm-hmm. than we, the teachers, are going to be. We're mm-hmm. going to provide methods and ways for them to continue learning. Yep. But really, it's going to be on them, and I think some of them are absolutely going to thrive in it, and we're going to come back with with almost more learning having been done. There will be, I mean, I, I assume there will be a few of them who don't yeah, utilize that. you're going to have your outliers, both directions. You're gonna have and them, maybe yeah. they find something else that they wish to learn, and actually, I'm all for that, too. You know, yeah. I mean, maybe that person, uh, you know, goes online and starts to watch more videos on uh, makers faces and things like that yeah. and we get some great woodworking things happening during this downtime or yeah. or different creative outlets and or, or just plain simply different learning where they are no longer quite as structured uh, you know structure is nice and all but it's it, it, inherently restrictive yeah well it's definitely a forced paradigm shift yeah, that's for sure it and it's been interesting to watch everyone kind of scramble around and and watch their their use of technology expedite as well. So let me let me ask you. Let's let's switch gears here for a moment. And why why did you want to become a teacher? Well, in the field of music, you know, I music is really hard <laughs> to do professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and and when I came down to it, originally <laughs> originally when I went to school, I was a double major in bio pre med and piano performance. So, oh wow. I was a performance major and a, a bio pre med major, and um, I changed that all over to education. Um, actually, it was a teacher. I remember very clearly. I was home. I was home one summer, doing some theater stuff, and uh, one of my former teachers came and saw me at the theater, and just asked me how things were going. And I started to talk to her. And we had a very long conversation. We might have talked for 40, 40 minutes or something like that about mm-hmm. what all was happening in college. And, you know, she knew I was double majoring in, in bio-pre-med and, and music as well. And she, and she stopped me about 30 minutes into our conversation. She said, you know what, Peter, i got to point something out to you. She said, in 30 minutes, you haven't once told me anything that was happening in your science classes hmm. but all I was talking about were all the wonderful things we were doing in music okay and kind of just reminding me where the passions l- lied and yeah. things like that as much as I, I do love science I still to this day I'm you know fascinated by science and mathematics uh, but uh, you know that love and passion and and really that that one teacher once again affected me and uh, you know reminded me that it's important to follow your passions because that's what really matters in mm-hmm. the grand scheme of things. I mean, 
I might have been wealthier and I'd become a doctor, but uh, I don't know that I would have been happier. Yeah. And so many other things would have been different, of course, in my life too. But um, yeah, so I, I love working with people. I love the group aspect. I love the social aspect of music. I love the group aspects of music. Um, I, I like working with other people who like to do fine arts and music mm-hmm. things. And, uh, you know, that's that's mainly why I got into the education side wow. of things. It's tough and difficult at times, but uh, it's it's incredibly rewarding as well, I think, to, to watch people go from, you know, not being able to do something to putting on something that's great and interesting. The power of a teacher. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, I mean, it was, I very much recall that it was a teacher, a former teacher of mine that had the conversation that, really pushed me from being performance-based and into back into the educational fields of doing things. It's, it's really neat because that teacher yeah, spent her personal time talking to you and, and just really speaking wisdom into you. And, and I see the same quality in you. That you spend countless hours just talking to kids. Uh, the kids want to come spend time with you. They want and, and you're reciprocating that by investing in them. Yeah. And there are kids whose life paths have changed because your willingness to spend those countless hours with them. And I know, you know, during some of your marathon practices, <laughs> much of that is just life lessons. Yep. You know, just sitting around, just kind of saying, hey, listen, I care for you. I'm here for you. Let's talk. And my kids come back all the time and tell me that. I agree. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, though. I appreciate that. Uh, well, it, I appreciate that you you take your role very seriously. What's been your greatest accomplishment as a teacher? Oh, there's just too many to, to narrow it down to one thing. Um, it could be specific or it could be general. It, yeah, I think, honestly, just every time I still see a student that I know was a musician or that, you know, that had anything through the music field. When I see posts of, you know, what they're doing or whether they're still doing music things, I love it when I see, you know, many, many years after the fact and they're posting something about music or they're posting about their band who's playing still Mm -hmm. or, you know, I know that they're, you know, a banker, but yet they've got this side gig of music on... And, you know, just seeing the the music continue to live on. Because I guess, you know, we teach so much in the moment here as teachers. You know, mm-hmm. you teach for the moment and for the class that's there. Yeah. But you you always hope that it has a, a much farther reaching impact. And, you know, we talk all the time about, you know, if you spend the time now to learn music, you have a skill that will... Or, or a, even not even necessarily a skill, but an avocation that will uh, continue on until you know until death. Practically, mm-hmm. I mean, I I know numerous uh, musicians who have continued to play well into their nineties, and you know, they just because it's it's not just. It becomes a part of you. Yeah, it's, you know, and unfortunately, I love sports, too. I'm a huge sports fan. Uh, you know, I, I play I play my own sports and things like that. Oh, but oh, what, Yeah, <laughs> you got to tell us, what but, sport do you play? <laughs> I, I, I play this crazy sport called hurling. It's not curling. It's not on the ice. Hurling. Hurling. It has <laughs> it nothing to do with throwing up, uh, although. Okay, all right. After although, a wild weekend. <laughs> although uh, the, the Irish people uh, that I play with, it's an Irish sport. 
and um, I play for uh, Akron's team. It's a it's a national team. We play all over the United States all summer long. Uh, many horrible things like the Irish people are very distraught currently because in one day they're not allowed to celebrate basically (laughs) their most important day. There'll be a lot of at-home celebrations, I have a feeling. We already had our corned beef and cabbage last night, so... Uh, But, uh... How yeah, did you no. get involved in curling? Hurl, or hurling, 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 hurling. Sorry, hurling. Not I know it's not curling. I'm sorry. Uh, how did we get involved? <laughs> uh, I was 30 years old and I was feeling overweight and out of shape, and I was down at the Irish Fest and in on Cuyahoga Falls, and uh, there were a couple guys. They're like, "Hey, you want to get out? Come, come try this crazy, crazy sport." And I was, I talked to my wife. I'm like, "I need to, I need to go run. I need to go do some stuff." They're like, "It's really fast sport. You know, it's gonna get." keep you running and everything like that and honestly i look forward to it every summer because it normally starts up around may Hmm. and uh normally by may i'm i'm at the worst shape that i possibly (laughs) can be because musicals ended and and as the my students will tell you they've they've got a name for uh they call it mr culver's musical belly which is when (laughs) i put on an extra 20 pounds at the end of May because all I've been eating is fast food because it's the fastest thing I can do. I know. That's how it is after coaching, man. That's pretty horrible. And so Mr. Culver's musical belly needs to come off. And uh, that's the why... struggle I'm, is real. That's why I uh, I do hurling. And uh, uh, it's, it's a cross between field hockey, rugby... And lacrosse, basically. Wow. I mean, it's... it's, uh, it's we do play with only a helmet, so it's... It's pretty physical. There's a lot of uh, checking, no tackling, but a lot of very strong physical hits. And uh, I like to hit people. I know that sounds terrible. Wow, but, who would have who would have known? Oh well, I grew up as a hockey player as a young kid, so I've always loved very physical sports. Uh, the only one that I play that I don't consider physical is is tennis. Uh, and, <laughs> But other than that, I, I really so I, I enjoy <laughs> I enjoy taking a good hit as much as I enjoy giving giving a good hit out. Um, there's uh, just something about it. Uh, I've always enjoyed it from a young person. I've always been that little guy uh, that uh, enjoyed kind of just being bounced around a little bit and 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 there's a lot shell, of Freudian psychology going own. on right now. Oh, I'm sure there is. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's a. And as a teacher, you know, sometimes uh, you need to get out those aggressions every once in a while, too, but better on the field than on, on a student. Than in a classroom, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, wise I've, words. I've managed to keep my job for 20 years, so obviously <laughs> it must be doing some good. Right now there's a whole bunch of people, including me here in a few minutes, going, you know, straight to Google, hurling. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's hope the sport comes up first. G-A-A hurling. Gaelic Athletic Association oh, hurling. that's cool. If you go on YouTube, you can... They, they have a kind of an introductory to the sport and everything like that. Oh, check it out. You can watch uh, you can watch matches and things like that. GAA, though, that's the Gaelic Athletic Association. There's two main sports in Ireland, and one is hurling. That's the national sport. And the yeah, other one is... is... Drinking? <laughs> no, that's, the, that's not... That's, <laughs> that's like, you know, my music and my family. That's just kind of part of the environment. And they're, <laughs> they're raised on it, but... Uh, uh, it's hurling and Gaelic football, which is uh, yeah. very similar to rugby. Rugby, yeah. very similar to. I've rugby. watched some of that, um, and that's. Uh, but they play rugby too. Gaelic football yeah. and rugby are basically the same sport. Fascinating um, sports to watch. Yeah, very fun. And uh, the, the Irish people are really 
they're they're really into sharing their culture. Um, this is kind of, I think, uh, and us in the United States, we've already kind of, you know, taken a lot of the Irish culture and kind of made it our own as well. Sure. I mean, so uh, from you know boxing and things like that, which of course uh, has has strong Irish roots as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you got Conor McGregor, of course, as a as as a you know, UFC MMA, yeah. guys, so um, MMA people. It's, but well, it's, uh, it's something you know what we're we're. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what my my grandmother was 100 percent Irish, so would that make me what maybe 40 percent somewhere <laughs> around there? I don't know a percentage. My brother embraces our Irish heritage. <laughs> it's I don't very, embrace very well. It. He embraces <laughs> it very well, even down to the. The clothing and the beard, the big red beard uh, and all that. But I don't have the red hair. <clears throat> yeah, but I've got to, um, yeah, it's actually, I don't grow a lot of facial hair, but the stuff that I do now, well, it used to be red. Now it's turning gray. So like, you know, it starts to pop out a little bit. You got to, you got to shave a bit. But uh, uh, my buddies, a lot of, a lot of Irish buddies. And, uh, I, I am, I am almost 0% Irish. They call me adopted Irish. <laughs> so we have adopted Irish, uh, people in our, on our team for sure. That's but so funny. yeah, we play all over the United States. Uh, our main teams that we play against are Rochester, Pittsburgh, and uh, Chicago, which wow. we see them regularly, and then Nationals and things like that. So, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to do a little bit of a lightning round because I'm about out of time okay, here. No problem. Uh, but I'm going to throw at you some questions that, if my students were here, they would most assuredly ask you. Okay. All right. So, what's your what's your favorite style of music? Uh, it's it's classical. Classical. What's the most recent book you've read? Um. That's a good question. The name, uh, the name of the wind, hmm. the name of the wind. I think it's a fantasy novel. Yeah. Do you have a book that you would recommend? Um, a book that I would recommend. I don't know. I I read fantasy novels, okay. so I, I'm I'm big into the the fantasy genre. I try to. I use books as an escape. Sure, for sure. Uh, Name of the Wind was really good. Uh, Magician, the Magician series. It's uh, okay. by Raymond E. Feist. That was a really good fantasy novel. Well, there you go. Very good. Do you have a life quote? A life quote? No, I don't. I'd have to think about that. I have too many quotes to. I know. As soon as you're asking that question, one. they all yeah they all bombard you. If you were a firework, or what's your favorite firework? Oh, I like the ones that whistle after they explode. All right, the the ones that those drop are cool. Down and then they and then you the hear the whistle, whistle yeah. the cascading whistle. I do like that. That's pretty cool. Favorite video game? Oh, that's tough. Um, currently it's probably Skyrim. Oh, great yeah, game. game! Great game. Most embarrassing. Oh, I, did I already ask you most, most embarrassing. So I've asked it about a hundred times today. One. So yeah. yeah. Um, how about if you were a Spice Girl, which one would you be? Oh, gosh. <laughs> that is a... I, That's I, a stumper, huh? I don't... I really don't know the Spice Girls that well. I can have <laughs> no three of them, I think. <laughs> uh, I don't know that answer. <laughs> there you go. Well, well you, you can Google Spice Girls and maybe you can get I'll back. To, we'll throw oh it in the show notes or something. Like, yeah. <laughs> Last question for you. One piece of advice that you would give to the kids of today? Uh, let's see. One piece of advice that I would give. Anything worth doing is going to be hard. 
anything worth doing should take hard work. Yep. You know, you don't appreciate it if it doesn't. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, um, it's neat interviewing you and getting to know you. I really wish the kids were here. My heart is broken that we can't do this in front of the classroom. My kids love it because they get to know teachers on a whole different level. Right. And um, and I've appreciated getting to know you. Thank you for all that you do for our kids. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Horner. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for all the, the countless hours that you invest. You are an incredible teacher, and I appreciate you. So thanks, brother. Thank you again. Okay. Enjoy your spring break. You too.